You know Rush Royale, for example, right? Uh, one of the biggest hits of my games. And the whole concept, the whole game has been created on the work-from-home basis. From the concept, mm. from the initial concept to the actual, you know, soft launch and global launch and scaling. Hey there, don't forget to comment, subscribe, and share this episode. It's really important for us. And now, to the episode itself. Hey guys, hey everyone, my name is Tan, I'm VP of Product at AppMagic. And I'm Yessa, Senior Game Designer at Product Madness. We're your co-hosts here on the Names and Games podcast. A podcast where we talk about games and the people who make them. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with AppMagic, an analytical tool that helps you to analyze mobile markets and gain actionable insights. Today, we've got a holiday special for you all, our dear listeners. We are summing up 2023 in the mobile gaming industry, and we're also going to be making some predictions for 2023. Yes. Buckle up, because as always, we are not alone. That is right. We've joined by Anton, Head of Industry Relations at My Games, and Dimitri, Senior Business Development Manager at My Games. Anton, Dimitri, welcome to the cast. Anton, why don't you go first? Introduce yourself to us. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you guys so much. Thank you both. Always a pleasure to see my dear friend and colleague Dima. It's not that we don't see each other often offline. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, doing this thing is a pleasure. Thank you for thinking of us for the special Christmas slash New Year episode. And uh, I just really hope for one thing that I don't sound and we don't sound too boring and too stupid for, for this. Because <laughs> uh, as I've been as I've been telling you guys before the the actual recording, I've just had one of the worst flies of the year. You know, all the full house thing, the missing the connection, getting off the plane, then getting off the plane again. You know, the hat is kind of uh, misty. So I just hope we make this a good, proper episode. <laughs> and I'm yeah, sure pleasure, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. And you forgot to introduce yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody really <laughs> care for that? Basically, what I do is I'm the head of industry relations, making sure that my games is uh, perceived uh, properly in the B2B section of the industry, because apart from making great games, for making good games, we want to be present as much as possible in the B2B landscape you know, of the gaming industry. So whatever makes sense for this, like events, communications, business development, investor, helping out the venture division of my games, branding activities. Last week, I was presenting an award at the Cyprus Forbes Women in Tech. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can call it this industry relations, I'm here for that as well. So basically, you know awesome. everyone and you work with everyone. Cool. I would love to say that, but I'm not there yet, man. Not there. <laughs> But coming there one day, one day. All right, Dimitri, what about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. Also, thank you so much for having us here. As for me, I'm a business development person at My Games. Basically, I'm working with our in-house studios regarding their business development needs, licensing, buying, selling projects, working with the strategic partnerships of My Games, with Unity, with Amazon, and other big companies, and also bidding a scouting unit at MGVC, which is our publishing slash investment branch. So we're searching for new opportunities in which we can invest, which we can publish, with which we can work together and benefit together. (laughs) 
All right, great. Now that we've gotten to know each other, thanks again, Anton and Dimitri. So happy to have you here. Let's jump right into the topic of today's podcast. You know, we're, we're at the end of the year, a time of reflection, a time to, you know, maybe think about the future. But first, you got to be aware of the past. We, of course, have gone through quite a year as an industry. 2023 was, uh, yeah, well, one year after the first ever decline that we saw in the gaming industry. 2022 saw the industry shrink a bit post-COVID and post-pandemic. And of course, this year was like year of the layoff, almost. We saw lots and lots and lots of layoffs across the industry, which is which is scary, you know, and, and, and not something we're that used to. The turbulence for both studios and investors has been quite clear. So I guess we really want to kick it off this way and ask you, what are your thoughts on how 2023 has gone? And perhaps we could start with you, uh, Anton, on, on that B2B side of things. What do you think? Oh, well, man, that's a tough one. Look, I would say that what we saw in 2023, what we're still seeing in 2023, is that it's the correction of the market, right? So mm-hmm. we shouldn't really be too much depressed. I mean, yeah, of course, bad things happened. But basically, if you compare to the place where the industry was back in 2019, before the pandemic struck, before we had this boost, right? And what we saw in 2020 and 2021 in terms of the investment landscape, in terms of the all these huge numbers, all these uh, quarterly reports, breaking records, we're still in a better place than we mm. used to be, right? Talking about layoffs, for example, once again, yeah, this is bad. So many talented, amazing people lost their jobs. Yeah, this happened. But if you compare the total number, all these huge stats, all this huge data, to how many people have been hired in Mm. 2020 and 2021, this is not going to be that drastic, right? Mm -hmm. And this is basically, as I perceive it, I may be mistaken, and I'm sorry for that, but when you look at this in the context of what the industry has been experiencing in 2020 and 2021, this is not that bad. This Mm. this is just a correction of the market in every possible way. And uh, this should have happened, and this happened. And so I have... High hopes for 2024. I don't want to be the bearer of, you know, the harbinger of bad news or whatever, but I'm pretty sure we're going to do. We have so many games. We have so many games out on mobile, on PC and console, and uh, I'm pretty sure things are going to get okay. And we're just going to go on. All right. So basically, the current trend, the last year and the this year decline, because I've checked at that magic just before the podcast, and it seems that this year the industry is still declining a bit, not as drastically as the last one, but still it's like a going a bit downfall. So these two years were a result of a giant boost because of the pandemic, because of the COVID, and it would happen this way or another naturally. So and all the layoffs are the result of the boost as well, just because we hired so many people, uh, the number of people who got laid off naturally increased as well. It was quite predictable. It's still pretty sad for the industry in whole, but comparing to the period before the pandemic, it seems like we stopped at a better place right now. So many things are happening at the same time that you can't really say that well you can say that but also it's not the only reason like yeah some releases have been postponed because of 2020 and 2021 and so many processes have been well i only have bad words here but i'm not sure about the censorship here so uh so many processes have failed and so many studios and so many gaming companies had to adjust and realign their processes and we at my games we have like you know Rush Real, for example, right? One of the yeah. uh, one of the biggest hits of my games, and the whole 
concept, the whole game has been created on the work from home basis. From the concept, mm. from the initial concept to the actual, you know, soft launch and global launch and scaling. And with a very small team should be mentioned. With a very small team in the beginning, yes, correct. Yeah. Basically like three people started out. As far as I remember, I may be corrected on this, but yeah, we've been talking about this earlier on the Rise and Play podcast. And uh, yeah, three people have started out and now the team is like more than 200 people, as far as I know, as far as I remember. But the idea here is that Hogwarts and Monopoly Go and all these amazing examples of the games and Baldur's Gate 3, right? And Alan Wake 2. It's not like all of them have gotten to a point of these amazing numbers and these amazing Metascore reviews and whatever. They have all been created in different timelines, right? Right? with absolutely different teams. It just so happened that all of these beautiful releases, they came at the same year, and this is good. But also, you know, you can't really make proper, you know, say what's going to happen in 2024 just based on all these beautiful games happening in the same year because you never know. You never know what's going to happen, how many games are actually going to make it in 2024 and become new hits. I don't have an opinion here, actually. Due to the COVID, due to the delays, you know, absolutely right that a lot of releases happened this year. And actually for 2024, I think we will see a little bit of a downscale of the amount of the releases, which might lead to another decline in the industry as well. Because if we will see who were the main growth drivers for this year, it was consoles and games for consoles, actually, because there was enough consoles in stock, there were a lot of great games and so on. So for the next year, I think we will see, if not like a decline, maybe a plateau, if there won't be outstanding releases on the mobile front. And uh, speaking of mobile, actually, uh, how it's usually going with AAA on PC and console, you have a release, you know, right? And the pre-release, you're like doing a marketing campaign for a year or even more. While on mobile, you're launching, going through soft launch stages, trying to hide as much as possible so nobody will steal your ideas. And then, boom, you're releasing. So if there will be a growth in the, in the next year, so probably it will be a mobile release. So cross-platform releases. Like that's that's my take on this. So in terms of releases, it's been a pretty uh, great year. You guys are totally right. Big, big, big hits across the different uh, sectors, basically. Uh, we could say then for players and for uh, the owners of those studios in particular, it's been a great year. But how has it been for, in, in your guys' view, for the average studio heads or, or, or the leadership teams of the very many other studios that are out there facing, you know, also the pressures that come with, with a decline and kind of a correction as you've been talking about. Do you have anything you want to uh, say to that, Anton or Dimitri? Yeah, I think I can start uh, definitely yeah. harder than it was in 2021, <laughs> 2020, oh, nice. actually. Much harder. It's harder to get an investment. Now you need to deliver something outside of the pitch deck because, you know, when the gaming industry was on the rise, you you, you just can prepare a great uh, pitch deck and get a couple of million. So this time passed until you're super lucky and doing something in the blockchain. I think there is <laughs> still some, something like this in there. But yeah, mainly I think that's super hard. Like if you're um, new by studio and you do not have a great track record uh, on your background so you will need to deliver metrics without metrics nobody will speak to you if you're a studio with a background you need to have a pretty solid one with a blizzard like naughty dog scopely whatever like big names and also it shouldn't be a team that just gathered 
It should be teams that work together for like many years. Investors are looking on this. Then you will be able to secure some kind of, of an investment. And also what what we do see uh, is there are more and more like PC and console games as well. So it's pretty hard to get an investment uh, to the mobile studio. And the reason is that you're competing with a new title, with a giant games that they have an extensive live ops. And basically you're trying to overspend a title that they have years of content and mm-hmm. a huge pile of cash on which uh, they're sitting. And in this case, what the only thing you can do, the first one is to get to the empty niche, right, to this blue ocean. And the second one is doing something completely unique. In both cases, like, the first one is a little bit more predictable, but the second one, that just, you know, that just a pure luck, I think. Because, mm-hmm. like, nobody will invest in something like Among Us before seeing the metrics, right? And Among Us was in the market for, like, a couple of years before it gone viral actually and from the investment perspective it's almost impossible to invest in such kind of ventures mm-hmm. so yeah overall i think that's been a super hard year for all startups uh, for the studios that already had some revenue that's been hard as well because idfa is there it's hard to do marketing on ios google privacy sandbox is around so next year right it will be fully distributed and it will be as hard like not as hard but half as hard to do the user acquisition uh, on Android as well. But on the bright side, actually, AI was there to help a little bit. So I think AI optimized some processes in the studios that were open to it. I wouldn't say that it's still like a market standard. We are, you know, working on this in-house. We have our own AI models and we are checking what's available as a market. And what we do see is that currently AI is good with uh, some kind of text tasks, with 2D, but when it comes to complex production with 3D, usage so it's still pretty early so it's not a game changer yet but from from the perspective how large it might be in the future so that's pretty great addition to a small scale and like mid scales to this because basically if previously you needed to create a big title you will need like 50 100 200 people right now you will be able with the help of an ai to do it like with a much smaller team which will lead to much smaller investment and that's that's i think a good sign but yeah, overall, the year was bad, actually. And we've seen that there were a lot of layoffs. To what Dima has said, yeah, to stay afloat, you got to adapt, you got to adjust. Whatever happens outside, yeah, you got to optimize. Yeah, that's not, maybe it's not always good for particular teams, for particular projects. We've heard so many news about whole games being closed and cancelled, and that's all horrible. On the other hand, Dima is absolutely right when he says, like, giants like Meta and Amazon and ByteDance has, is in the process of closing the whole gaming division, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is basically what you get when you try to capitalize on the situation that has happened a couple of years ago, back in 2020. Like, everybody was so keen on gaming. So many investors, not from the market, who had no idea what it is to make a proper game, how hard it is, and how heat-driven these businesses were suddenly on in, right? We're going to build the metaverse. We're going to build another Fortnite. We're going to build whatever. And then you hit the wall. You hit the harsh reality. You know, people getting back from to the offices and getting back outside is only part of the problem. Even if, God forbid, 
pandemic was still happening, right? Everybody was still hitting at home. This does not absolutely mean that people would have been playing like way more games still, right? Or it would have been suddenly become easier to make a hit, whatever, mobile, PC on console, indie or AAA. It's still hard. People would still have been fired, laid off. So yeah, really, it's all about the business. You got to stay lean. It's just another lesson that you learn. You should have not done this outrageous number of hirings, outrageous number of projects, opening the whole divisions, you know, just we're going to now make games. We're going to be as big as Tencent, as big as Natty's. It doesn't work this way. And, you know, the pandemic is only part of the problem and the whole situation around it. One of the takeaways from this year is that if you're an investor, you should really pay attention to the product you are investing in. If you don't have enough experience yet, maybe it's not the best idea to go full in, especially if you don't have good advisors or other experienced investors in the gaming. If you're a company trying to raise money, be sure that you have some results on the board. Not just a beautiful pitch deck, but also some metrics, some soft launch data, some data from the players, from monetization tests that can show you that, well, you are going the right way. And also, and it's, I think it's just general, it's not just about mobile games or, or games. During fat years, remember that they won't be fat for long. So be prepared to trim the fat and don't be bloating the company too much. Let's try to tackle another big topic. So let's look back at the year and try to talk a little bit about the trends that were during the year, especially in mobile. So personally, I'm really into two things. First, the story about the hyper-casual. So there was a lot of talk that hyper-casual is dying. And I think for the last five years, half of the market was putting hyper-casual in, in the graveyard and it's still here. But at the same time, companies like Voodoo, and we had a wonderful episode with a head of publishing from Voodoo, like Homa, like Lionstone, studio, they are all trying to go from hyper-casual to hybrid-casual, whatever it is. So trying to combine the easy and like one-hand-tap mechanics of hyper-casual games with meta of casual games. What are your thoughts on this one? So is this really something new and like the next future, the next generation of hyper-casual games? Or is it just a mirage? Because once again, we've tried to dig into it at AppMagic several times during the year because a lot of talk around, a lot of info in social media. And each time what we saw was was that there were like several successful titles, two, three, maybe five, but it doesn't look like there is a genre, there is a niche there that can, on a regular basis, produce new hits. So I'm wondering what, uh, Dimitri and Anton, what your thoughts on hyper-casual versus hybrid-casual, this whole transformation, and what do you think about it? I think that's funny, actually, how hyper-casual games evolving into casual games, and they name it hybrid-casual, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That, that, that's kind exactly. of fine, funny, funny taxonomy me and uh, at the very beginning how the casual were maybe kind of in years were super simple easy to produce right super low cpis and so on but uh, the time passed and at the moment they have a complex graphics they have audio like audio people working on the audio side of things they have a um, like core game loops meta game loops so basically they're becoming a casual titles and uh, i think if the companies like Huda will be able to adapt to it and i'm positive that they will actually so everything will be good for them but the market for uh, free people studios that are creating hits and earning millions i think that's over so it's it's just not there it was good like a couple of years for such a small teams that were able to produce you know something unique in terms of the game design but at the moment they won't be able to compete with uh, larger guys in terms of just production quality of course there will be some 
you know, outstanding examples, but they will only you know, confirm actually the point. So that's my take on a, on a hyper schedule. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I've recently seen the data that uh, like 25% of the hyper-casual companies out there on the market were closed during this year with all the layoffs. And it totally makes sense. Just what you, Dimitri, said right now, it totally stacks up to it. Another thing I'm really wondering about, and I think Anton can say a word or two about it, is the investment climate and the overall situation on the market. So we've done a pretty interesting thing here at AppMagic. We tried to basically to calculate the success rate in mobile games during this year. And for example, for average, for the casual genre, the game becomes successful. And when we talk about being successful, we talk about earning enough money, earning a good chunk of money, not just, you know, earning like a thousand or a couple of thousands a month. So the percentage was 0.29%. 0.29% of all the games released, and we're not talking about trash games. They're out of this equation. Only less than half a percent were successful on the market. It's a crazy number. So as an investor, how can you invest in a market like this? So I'm, I'm really wondering what's your thought on that? Yeah, look, uh, this first and foremost, this is really good data. I would love to, you know, check it out some more if you have it in more detail somewhere. Yeah, sure, sure thing. To, I would love yeah, to dig I in. Can <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. The investment landscape is not that you know, impressive as it used to be, of course. But leaning back on what we've said earlier in this pod is um, the deals are still happening, right? And uh, mm-hmm. proper investors who can wait and who can who have expertise and uh, who have money and time enough and sufficient for a proper investment, they are actually still in the business and the deals are happening. And if you see at uh, whatever reports you want to see in the market, be it invest game or any other, yes, you will see that compared to the pre-pandemic levels and uh, the two years, well, let's call it two years of pandemic. Yeah, it looks like the situation has gotten way worse, especially in terms of public offerings, right? Everybody has totally forgot about gaming SPACs, for example, and the IPO market is you know, pretty much dead. Whether anyone sees any signs of recovery, I'm not. But and uh, private investments are still happening and M&As are still happening. It's just that as we have all of us here discussed earlier, it's getting leaner and it's getting, the quality of it is getting better. Mm. And the idea here is that maybe it wasn't the, it wasn't that the market was better, but maybe there was more money. There was way more, I don't want to call it stupid, but there was less smart money in the business, mm-hmm. right? Because so many people, not from the industry, who had not a single idea of what it is, how hard it is to make a proper game, and moreover, to scale it, especially when we talk about mobile, right? And you have just said it, like, so little, such a small number of mobile games are actually making it and become true hits, right? So as I listen to the two of you kind of describe the trends that we saw this year, it kind of what comes into my mind is it sounds kind of like our industry is in a state of metamorphosis. Like it was one way before, and then we saw success, you know, due to the great leaders of our industry making amazing products and, and more and more people finding out they love playing games. Uh, we, we grew so big, so fast that it kind of wasn't the healthiest for of growth and now we're undergoing a correction but we're also going at a moment of like maturation right like we're as you guys were saying pitch decks need to not only look good but be built on strong foundations investors need to choose the right projects be careful with where they spend their money but i think we are perhaps moving in a direction where there's a bit more knowledge on all fronts and and uh, hopefully we'll we'll see a more sustainably growing industry in the future 
Well, then another trend that we wanted to talk about with you guys, and, and we'll see if this is also in the same kind of a shift that we're describing, is in monetization in games. Of course, hyper casual. Uh, myself as a game designer, I uh, will never miss that because it was a, such an awful experience to play these games that interrupted you every three seconds to be like, add, add, add. That's just, I have no, I don't That's even a business model, that. man. You, I know you, it's a business model, but yeah, it's a, yeah, like, like <laughs> anti-player business model, which is just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you would do that as a game company but okay regardless i don't have anything against an, an ad based model it's about the kind of aggression of it or the amount just the sheer amount i suppose but we don't we, let's not get into a debate about about that necessarily but we saw a kind of like this dual approach where uh, a game with a more complex economy for example now hybrid casual games where they have a more robust economy uh, kind of fueling it that you can have in-app purchases tie into that of course you can also have that the occasional free thing or the watch an ad to get something free things which by the way, I do really believe in because they are helping the player, giving the player something in, in, in exchange. But this duality of these two forms of ads and in-app in purchases, do you see that continuing? Do you think that has proven to be a successful model for monetization or are we going to move in a different direction or have you guys seen any new directions that you would like to share? I think we have a very great case with the War Robots, which is kind of heavy mid-core title or even a hardcore one where guys integrated ads and it was like rewarded ads as far as I remember correctly and uh, it's been super successful. I do not remember the exact numbers of the revenue it brought but it was significant numbers. It was like millions actually that we got after this implementation and the thing is that people were happy about the opportunity to get something for free by watching an ad and for that's free. a great... Yeah, yeah, for free. It's a podcast so you guys, we were just yeah, making yeah, air yeah. quotes with our fingers. <laughs> but yeah, go on, sorry. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's basically I think how health economy for the mobile game should look like. So there are paid users, right? And uh, you shouldn't disturb them a lot with ads. So if there is an opportunity to kind of turn off ads for them or just, you know, leave only rewarded ads, so that's completely fine. And if the user is not paying anything, so then you can try to monetize him like using ads in different parts of the game. And that's actually fine in the long term, I think. Yeah, it might be not so great experience for the user that is not paying, but in the long term, if it creates a, and a, a great economy for the game, a healthy one, it helps the studio to do more updates, uh, provide a live ops, which will, in general, result in a better gaming experience for everyone. And uh, I think for Russia, we have quite a significant distribution of ads as well, so rewarded as they are quite big, and uh, you can see them, you know, after playing a match, uh, you can see them in a shop, I think you can see them in a battle pass, I do not remember if it's in a battle pass, but uh, yeah, so there are many placements of this uh, rewarded ads. So yeah, my, like I, I'm super positive about uh, ads in all kinds of games, not not hyper casual. But it shouldn't disturb the experience. My favorite type is a rewarded ad. That's uh, an understandable format, like for everyone. Oh, I think absolutely. Yeah, I have to it's say, like in, in Rush Royale, a game which I love, like I think it adds a lot of value. To my experience and then when i'm playing this game i'm having so much fun also the quality of the game is so high that i'm like you know what yes i will watch an ad to support the studio making this so i feel like when you get a player into that space i just speak from my own experience but that's great then you've forged a relationship with them which is worthwhile i think and they will reward you for it and you'll reward them for rewarding you it's like positivity all around so Absolutely. i do think it, it works really well for example in your title it's great we've been recently playing this amazing game so that just 
just the listeners appreciate that we're not talking only about my game's titles, right? Like War <laughs> Robots and Rash Royale, but also sure, yeah. Dima has uh, recently introduced me to this amazing game, which is Souls by Habi. Oh, uh, you yes. know, the guys, the guys who made yeah. Archero. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this game is so good. I'm not getting paid for that or anything, but I mean, uh, unfortunately, but uh, when the game is good, it's good. You don't have to feel ashamed or whatever. You guys should try it out. It's an idler bottle. Uh, sorry, idler battler. And um, the sound effects, the UX, the, you know, the animations, the mechanics. It's so good that I don't really care. They, they, have, they don't have any ads there at all. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. just, it's just, economy, it's just right? in apps. Yeah. yeah, it's just in apps. But I would so not be against reward it adds there if they introduced it. And the same with Rash Real, for example. Yeah, this is the thing. How we convince players of that? I do think the best way is to create a very high quality product. Now that is yeah. expensive, uh, <laughs> and I think if we're talking about trends, that's a trend that we've seen. We started this conversation talking about the great titles that have come out, just so rich. Baldur's Gate alone, my God, like just a massive game. Hogwarts Legacy as well. Whether it's your kind of thing or not, the love and detail put into that game uh, is incredible. Likewise, in the mobile mobile gaming sector, I don't know if you guys have been playing Rumble Blizzard's, uh, yeah. you know foray the quality just of animations of the the amount of gameplay that i have available to me this year has seen the quality of games just be so high which makes it again harder to compete if you can't uh i say that a lot to my team i work in new games we're working on some new projects and if we're not able to compete on the level then i don't know if, if we can expect a great result so i i try to push for that that quality all the time so i'd say that to sum it up in the terms of monetization of course there are some new ways of monetization there is apple arcades, subscriptions, web stores, and we can make a whole separate episode on it. But in general, I'd say that for games, the hybrid monetization is a thing. So we can introduce both the in-app monetization in the games that usually used advertisements, like hyper-casual, for example, and end up with a hybrid casual or just casual, you, you call it whatever you want. At the same time, you can introduce advertising and advertisements, for example, rewards or interstitials to the games that were not advertised before and they monetize pretty well if and if you do a really good job with that one. We'd like to move to our last little question. We, you already spoke a little bit about games you've been enjoying to play recently, but we like to end every episode with a recommendation for our audience. Maybe a game that came out this year. How about this time? Uh, a game that came out this year in 2023 that you think uh, was either you know super successful from a business case point of view that you'd like people to take a look at, or from a personal one that you that you just have really loved. And uh, I will. I'll start. I'll go first. Uh, I've mentioned it already, but uh, Warcraft Rumble, I am a, a, a Warcraft a Blizzard uh, fanboy, at least on the games they have made in the past. The company uh, has gone through some rocky times. I'm not the biggest fan of all that. But uh, yeah, Rumble, I feel like, is a game I can just endlessly play. There is no limitation on my play, actually, in that game. It's grindy, sure, um, and I do feel the pull to spend, and I probably will, because, as we were mentioning before, it's a game that deserves some support. Yeah, I, I just think they took something which is kind of tired, like Clash Royale, like that kind of style is so static and boring, actually, to me. It's a brilliant game, don't get me wrong, and I don't want to, you know, don't get, don't want to get any hate mail from people who <laughs> love that game so much, but Blizzard, like, took a look at that and was like, ah, oh, what if we added some gameplay? Yeah. 
and they just shook it up a little bit. And I always, I hope that they do well with that and that, that the industry rewards them. Just so much fun to play, so much character in, in the characters as well, the, the minis. If they ever sell physical ones, I, oh, yes. I don't know, I probably <laughs> oh, will lose yeah, all totally. my money buying them. But yeah, that's the game that I would recommend, Warcraft Rumble. So Anton, how about you? Yeah, uh, I've heard so much, uh, so many good things about Rumble. I haven't played it, unfortunately, yet, because full disclosure, I'm not a Blizzard fanboy. Although I very much enjoyed Diablo 4 this year. Oh, I haven't finished it, but yeah, I will try this. But uh, yeah, I've mentioned earlier, and uh, I don't know whether Dima actually wants to be the one saying <laughs> about these games. Yeah, I but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dima found Souls. Hands down, and I love it so much. Great game, love the dailies, love the UX. One of the few games that I actually switched the sound on for, on mobile. Oh, wow. Mm, yeah, wow. yeah, because uh, I love the background music, I love the sounds when you, you know, fulfill the dailies, when there's the fight happening, the battle, whatever. Yeah, Souls, let Dima maybe recommend that <laughs> also. <laughs> Another one is the finals. I've already mentioned that. It's been out since like a couple of weeks ago. I would probably say it's gonna be one of the best pvp co-op shooters of the next year amazing destructibility and one of the things that makes you it's very fast it's not gonna be for everyone it's uh, i'm not saying i'm super good at it i'm actually kind of bad at it but the idea here is that when the game is good and you kind of suck at it you still enjoy it and this is exactly mm. the case with me and the finals. Because, yeah, me and the boys, we have Dima and this other guy that works at my games, Eugene. We have won several games. Not all of them. Not the majority of them. But the process, the gunplay, the process of playing the game, the process of running as a team and trying mm. to, you know, fulfill the goal of the game feels so good. You just know when the people behind the game, the team behind, know so good what they're doing and, you know, they're very experienced. What, what about, about you, Dima? So what is the game of the year or just the most best surprise for you or just the most memorable one? Can I name a few and not the only one? All right, we'll allow uh, it. Yeah, yeah, we'll allow yeah, it. yeah. So, so definitely, Souls. I'm waking up every day, you know, doing my dailies there with they have a nice. guild. So that's a superb title. Russia Yellow is good. Monopoly Go actually surprised me a lot. I'm not the social casino type of player, but the way you're earning money there it's captivating that's super good I just recommend to feel it like even if you're not a big fan of watching you know how the game plays itself that's for mobile so and relatively new as for PC console definitely finals already Anton mentioned it Final Fantasy 16 finally Square Enix returned to um, to their roots let's say and created a very very good title for like mediocre Final Fantasy like 15 and uh, 13 actually so they did a really good job and Alan Wake 2 that's a game that surprised me so heavily like I think that's one of the most memorable experiences in the last like five years for me so how they put together film video game audio narrative everything in this game is kind of exceptional and uh, i was very sorry to hear that it's still yet to reach one million copies on console for me that's just you know that's one of of the best games of the over year or maybe in the last five years so that's really exceptional that's for me yeah i can i could totally relate so for me i'd say several titles as well if you we are playing these rules then let's go with this one so i will name two mobile titles both of them might be not very famous but both of them came out this year and they made a pretty good buck so they earned i think more than 10 million dollars for sure and at the same time they introduced something to the industry so the first one was slime legion and mm. i think they have also slime hero right now coming up 
So Slime Legion basically is a tower defense, which is already pretty remarkable because releasing a tower defense game in 2023 and it being successful is really interesting. And it also has a pretty easy, like laid back, but at the same time, very calm and unique uh, UX UI style and the graphics. Yeah, the whole gaming experience, there is nothing like brand new there, but it's really captivating and it definitely got me for some time. Another one, and actually it's an Asian title, it's called Isekai Slow Life. And we did a big res- research in Idol Tycoons recently at AppMagic. And this is one of the titles we really played a lot. And somehow I ended up playing it after the research. So when the research ended, I still continued to play it and play it. So the guys brilliantly introduced different layers of meta elements in the classical Idol Tycoon formula. So, well, Asian titles of any genre are known to have a very intricate meta of different resources, uh, social guilds, cooperative, uh, but this one. So, for example, they've introduced a little mini games in the core gameplay. They've introduced clicker inside an idle tycoon. Each and every building that you work with uh, place managers there and you can go inside and play games inside the building. So usually an idle tycoon's building just give you some kind of resource, but here they're bigger than that. This like bigger than that approach can be said about the whole game in general. So it's a really interesting concept of how you can take the idle tycoons and like scale them up to the next level. From like PC and consoles part, I'd say that On Wake was one of my go-to options, but Dimitri already took it. So right now I'm ending Dead Space Remake, and surprisingly I haven't played the original. For some apparent reason I have skipped it, and it's so good. Like 13 or 15 years have passed, and it plays wonderful. And it also reminds me that you, if you are making a good game, it will be a good game after 10 years, after 20 years, even after 30 years. It's still Final really enjoyable. Great yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, from my side, let's say. Let's try to wrap it up, I think. So for all the listeners, all the viewers out there who were watching this episode, thank you for staying with us. To all of those who are our followers, thank you for being with us during this year. It wasn't really an easy one and we discussed it the whole episode. And looking to 2024, it's probably won't be easy as well but it will be interesting and we really hope that it will bring more adult industry more mature industry more moderate industry in some kinds and more sincere games that we really believe in and we really want to develop and not just want to sell i think i really love all these hopes and expectations from our today's crew and we just wish you happy christmas great new year celebration and see you in the upcoming year stay safe and see you thanks anton thanks dimitri Thank you. you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to the listeners. It's been a pleasure. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, holidays, everyone.